This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Komikaela Naimen Toko Ingoa. My name is Michaela Naiman and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture and how the creative arts contribute to our community, as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the Govette Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Centre. Stay tuned to find out more. And today I have a team in the studio, the awesome team from Men's Shed, Phil Taylor, Wayne Branton and Dave Richards. Good morning! <laughs> and Men's Shed has set up a beautiful exhibition in our art space, which is on show throughout October. And I would encourage anyone to come and have a look. There's uh, beautiful things, practical things, things to buy and help to fundraise for a men's shed. So, guys, can you tell someone who doesn't know very much uh, about men's shed, what is the organization about? Okay. Um, men's shed was initially set up in Australia and has migrated to New Zealand. And it was originally and principally set up for retired men, where often their lives were defined by work, and then work finished, and um, they didn't have a a support network, and uh, languished at home by themselves. So it was originally set up for men's mental health well-being, and a place for retired men to get together for fellowship, for friendship, and also to do things, because um, a lot of men like to be active, <laughs> and uh, and we concentrate on, on woodworking. So we make projects for um, ourselves, we make projects for other charitable organisations, uh, and we make projects to fundraise. So... That's principally what we do. We're not exclusively for men or exclusively for older ages. We have um, lady members. We also have younger members. So we, we, we are open. We're not exclusive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sounds amazing. So that's a beautiful turn of phrase, languishing at home rather than <laughs> moping around. <laughs> <laughs> Having had a father-in-law who was a very active businessman butcher for 48 years and then he called Turkey quit. Yeah, Yeah, that is tough, isn't it? Mm. So is it still like that, that very few plan a gradual kind of what they're going to do next? Do you need to get into your hobby area more seriously or what would you recommend? Not not really. Um, we, We have people of of all ranges of experience from retired builders and carpenters through to like me fourth form woodwork was my (laughs) 
extent of experience beforehand, but we're really, really lucky in having Phil, our shed coordinator, who runs the operation on a day-to-day basis, and he's an expert, firstly, in safety and using the equipment, because some of the equipment could be quite dangerous if if you didn't know how to use it, well, is quite dangerous if you don't know how to use it, and also in the techniques, uh, he, he has fantastic knowledge and experience, and he imparts that to everybody and their projects, as well as the community projects. So it's a learning space. Yeah, mm. yeah for, for, Very for a lot exciting. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Phil, you have to talk uh, a bit about uh, this idea. How come you ended up as the coordinator for Men's Shed? Oh, okay, (laughs) good story. Um, So I've been a member of the Shed before it moved to um, its current location out at McLean Street. We share a part of Adafi Industries building there. And I was a a reasonably-ish active weekend member there, and then my daughter came along and... I stepped back from doing a lot of things, as you do, uh, and eventually um, I, I stopped working and became stay-at-home dad. So when my daughter went to preschool, I had a little bit of free time and a, an email happened to pop up saying that the men's shed was was in a little bit of trouble. Um, the membership had dropped away and they were actually at the point of perhaps uh, mothballing it. So I thought, well, I've got some spare time. I'll come down while my daughter's at preschool and put a bit of time into the shed and just see if I can do something, um, even my own personal projects at that time, just to, to be a person on, on site sort of thing. Eventually they, they managed to get some funding and we had another meeting about six months later and uh, the request was put forward, you know, does anyone know of anyone who might be a suitable coordinator? And I looked around and there's quite a few fingers pointing directly at me. <laughs> I better, better go home and check if I can do this. Um, and check so, with the boss. <laughs> yeah, check with the boss. And um, so then um, it sort of snowballed from there. And so this was back in 20... About, um, four years ago. Four years ago? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so just uh, before COVID. Yeah, probably yeah. the year before COVID came yeah. along. Yeah. So um, at that point there was, I don't know, probably three or four people coming in two mornings a week and since then we've expanded to five days a week uh, with an overflow day if needed and up to eight members, nine members on any given day. Mm. And uh, if anyone listening now would be interested in uh, popping in, is it like do you have to sign up for membership or can you come in and look what you're up to? How does it work? Um, So I I suggest that people come in and and have a chat. Um, They can ring, of course, our numbers on the website. They can come in and have a a natter and and get a feel for the place, what we do, what our expectation of membership is. And then for someone to become a member, um, we do an induction process. It's a period of a few visits where someone comes in and learns the the basics with some of the more um, commonly used tools and give them our health and safety kind of brief, um, what the shed rules are, let's, let's call them that. And it's a good time for people to, to get a, a sense of what the place is about and what it, what it offers them. And we can also make sure that people who are coming to become or wishing to become members of the shed are going to be able to operate safely within a workshop environment. And um, the shed rules, does um, that also include how you behave towards other people? Yeah, that's um, one of our... 
I don't think it's I don't know what number rule it is, but um, <laughs> just just letting people know that everyone comes from all walks of life and different backgrounds and different experiences, and um, and that we just you know appreciate that, especially you know certain topics come up and we have very polar views sometimes in the smoker room and, and everyone sort of discusses those quite amicably for the most part. Robustly. Robustly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. And uh, where are you physically located? We, we lease a section of Atify Industries, uh, which is 38 McLean Street in Strandon, so just uh, parallel to Devon Street at the Beach Street end, towards the Beach Street end of McLean Street, and down a long driveway and straight ahead. Mm. Great. Okay, I think it's time to take a music break. We'll be right back. Can't dig freedom from a hole in the ground, no matter who your God is. You can't dig freedom from a hole in the ground, no matter who your God is. Tripping out on a western vision, potential path to hell. Great man said now, but times forgotten him. Clay won't cling to I. Clay fall Can't dig freedom from a hole in the ground, no matter who your God is. You can't dig freedom from a hole in the ground, no matter who your God is. Tripping out on a western vision, potential path to hell. Great man said no, but times forgotten him. Prayer won't cling to I. And clay dry up, and clay fall off. You can't win freedom with your hand on a gun, no matter who your God is. You can't win freedom with your hand on a gun, no matter who your God is. Tripping out on a western vision, potential path to hell. Great man said now, but time's forgotten him. But clay won't cling to iron.
Play dry on Play fall off No matter who you got is So tell me, tell me, tell me Who you got is So tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me Who you got is Tripping out on a western vision Potential path to hell Great man said now, but time's forgotten him Clear won't cling to eye Play dry on, play fall off. Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Arts Cast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. We are grateful to Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Lennai Center for sponsoring this show. And I'm here today with three guys from Men's Shed. Phil Taylor, Dave Richards, and Wayne Brunton. (laughs) Yes. And uh, they are having an awesome exhibition in our art space throughout October. So if you are on the way through town and the Top Town Mall, pop in and have a look in the window or browse through. The entrance is through Access Radio. And this is woodwork in all its forms. Dave. Can you tell us a bit about uh, this exhibition, especially if there's someone out there who might be low vision or can't really see the objects? How would you describe your exhibition? I put you on the spot here. (laughs) It's a number of uh, pieces of woodwork, all created from native timbers and recycled wood, things like um, chopping boards and bowls. There's actually some beautiful wood turn bowls which one of the um, members has created so there's a number of objects so if you were not visual did not have good um, eyesight would have recommended it's tactile you could actually come and pick them up would you be allowed to i don't see why not particularly if you wanted to buy them (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes i think uh, that's the beauty of of wooden objects there visually beautiful as well but they can be very tactile and you can enjoy holding them yeah. mm. well we will take care with them but uh, we have quite a few showmakers as well who are uh, low vision and uh, yeah beautiful if they can pick them up or touch them and get an idea of the form and shape so um, what kind of woodwork do you do well, I've done a number of personal projects in the shed encouraged by Phil um, I made a um, bar stool which um, when I took it on I didn't realise quite how demanding it was going to be but it certainly <laughs> taxed my ability but got there in the end and uh, was awarded a commendation from the uh, Wood Review in Australia. Congratulations, that's amazing. Well not bad for my first effort. No, uh, no, no, kind of encouraging I would yeah. say. Well, not quite my first effort, I mean I started off with chopping boards, although my chopping board has become a looking board. I can't bear to chop anything on it. It's beautifully put together with 
again, native and recycled timber. I, I get uh, quite protective of wood in some ways now, and all the offcuts, uh, you sort of think, well, I wonder what I can do with that. And I started, I made a half a dozen um, coasters for um, teacups and so on, all out of odd bits of material that I glued together and then turned on the lathe. And um, they're sort of, they're all different, which is what I like about them. They're completely different. You'd, you look at it and think, oh, it's just old bits of wood and um, the way they shine and come up good is, uh, is quite um, unique, I think. Do you recognise what kind of wood it is uh, now when you well, see it? Well, yes, we, we do have a, 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 a test box or test uh, bag where we fills number the wood and we get them out from time to time and uh, identify the various timbers. And that's quite useful for uh, not just identifying the wood but working out what goes together. You can actually see uh, the different t- pieces of wood and how they complement each other, which yeah. is really good. Uh, certainly when you um, apply an oil finish, they come to life in a lot of ways. Well, uh, I chose uh, woodwork instead of um, sewing at school. So, uh, and that was exactly for that kind of tactile feeling and, and that you shape something. But um, up in Scandinavia, we have either pine or birch, mm-hmm. and then you have elm and, uh, you know, a bit of that as well. But but the birch was so beautiful. But it was so hard to work because it's so knotted. But mm-hmm. it gets um, you know unmistakable birch shine to it. But it's hard as anything. Yeah. So how do you pair woods that have different properties together? How do they keep together stuck when you have glued them rather than give up on each other yeah. <laughs> after a while? I suppose it comes from experience. Phil will tell you about the different types of of wood. Some some of the woods have high silica contents, so um, they are difficult to to glue together. Principally, you you must have a, a good flat surface. So we we spend an awful lot of time sanding things to make them flat and easily uh, glued together. And then the process of clamping the wood together. Um, ensures that the, the glue is there to do its job and it, once it's cured it will generally speaking hold together without any issues. So, what yeah. glue do you use? Just PVA generally, yeah. Mm. Um, I think one of the members was using super glue or something on a particular job that he was working on but generally just PVA so it's a wood glue. Oh. Yeah. Very cool. So, Phil, you have to tell us a bit now about the art of laminating and gluing together things. So you can actually make uh, wood uh, stronger, even structurally, for house, like building. Yeah, yeah. By laminating. My my background is in building, but um, yes, laminated timbers are generally stronger than than just straight grain timber. Um, With a lot of the stuff that we do, and I encourage members to accent pieces with some of the uh, more unusual exotic timbers that we have. It's all about clamping, pressure and glue. The more clamps, the better. Right? If you think you've got enough on, squeeze another one in there. And um, generally speaking, they will glue together. But like Dave was saying, so, some timbers have high silica content um, and you may need to you know, put a biscuit joint in there or, or a hidden screw of some sort just to mechanically fix it together. Uh, but uh, For the most part, I don't think we've had any bits fall apart on us. I can think of. It's a bit of a process, but if, if the surface is prepared right, sanded well, nice and flat, and you know plenty of glue and lots of clamping, it'll do the trick. 
And how do you take care of your um, items usually? Like, I wouldn't put wood in the dishwasher, but I know people do. Yeah, not a good idea. No, no, never a good idea. Um, for the most part, what we finish, the material down there is oil-based um, wood finishes. Some people use polyurethanes, but they tend to chip and crack and discolour with time. Whereas natural oils like tongue oil and Danish oil, you can resurface them very easily, just a little bit of bit of a polish and they come up beautifully again. But yeah, don't put the chopping boards in the dishwasher. <laughs> no. Never. <laughs> what about uh, these uh, fancy ones that have resin and um, pava and uh, other things inlaid? How do you actually do that? Um, I put my hand up and say I've never done um, mm. resin or power inlay type stuff don't know of anyone that in the shed that's done it, um, maybe one or two have given it a go resin of course not being a great thing to work with either, no if no. you sand a lot we've, we've, we've had a couple of people in the shed do very small resin type things um, but it hasn't played a big part in what, in what we do, in part because of the cost of the resin in New Zealand and do people bring their own projects, or do you come up with the, let's have a bar stool thing, or you know, <laughs> like how do these projects come oh, about? Um, for the most part, we do a, a, a nice mixture of um, personal projects, community fundraising, or fundraising projects, um, and community type projects, um, and so everyone's kind of left pretty much if they want to make a, a bar stool, for instance, then. They'll come up with a plan and I'll give them a bit of a guide if they need it. Um, someone else might be doing end grain chopping boards, for instance, like Wayne's in the process of finishing. Um, but we don't really do let's all make chopping boards today or unless it's a fundraising project, in which case we might sort of um, step it up and, and do it as a all-of-shed kind of thing. Yeah. We encourage members to do both fundraising projects and also community projects, not just own personal projects. Mm. So, um, for example, we have had over several years, we have made mud kitchens for the toy library, which has been a joint fundraise between the toy library and, and the men's shed. And we've also done projects which are just straight community-based ones which we have donated. And, and one of them which comes to mind is Gabby's Starlight Project, where uh, there was a thing on Facebook, and my daughter saw it and sent it to me, and I saw it and sent it to Phil. And what it is is uh, 30 mil cubes of wood. And what they use them for is to glue a stamp on and they put them in kits for children in hospital with a, with a stamp and a stamp pad and they uh, play with those. And they couldn't find anybody in New Zealand. They couldn't find anybody in China. They were sourcing them from Australia at an exorbitant cost and a huge delay uh, when they could get them. They, they are just so easy to make. Mm. <laughs> So we provide 30 a month. Oh, up to 100 a month. Up, up to 100 a month, yeah, yeah. Of, of these stamps. And it's just um, a pine, 30 mil cubes, and they're cut to size and then sanded, and yeah, and, and then they just go out and, and mm. they get used. And, and actually this project is run by one of our younger members who was contemporary with Gabby 
in hospital at the time. And when we took on the project, he's taken on running it. And he's done a marvellous job of organising it and, and seeing that it all meets the quality and, and working on it himself for these blocks. Sounds uh, amazing. But uh, also, yeah, have we forgotten that there are actually people locally who can make things? Perhaps. By the sounds of it, if they've sourced it from, you know, China, Australia, yeah. willing to pay whatever, how do we find these locals who can do things? Well, Menshed is one place to go if you yeah. want woodwork done. That's a tricky one. I mean, the Menshed, um, New Plymouth, formerly known as North Taranaki Community Menshed, which is a huge mouthful, sort of dropped off the radar. It ebbed, ebbs and flows, as a lot of the sheds nationally do ebb and flow a wee bit. So, you know, popping into the radio station and having a, a chat sort of helps keep us out there in the in the public profile, which is good. Mm. Well, we'll come back to that. We'll take another music break and, uh, yeah, we'll be back shortly. Discovery. I learned a thing or two. Uncovered your duplicity. Saw myself played for the fool. My love struck naivety has led me to this place. 
Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. And I'm here today with the exhibitors in our art space, Menshed, New Zealand, New Plymouth, the world. <laughs> you are part of a larger organization, I understand, Phil. Yes, yeah. So uh, nationally there's about 130 men's sheds up and down the country. Really? Um, and that's steadily, steadily growing which is good. Um, I'm not sure how many are in Australia. That was the first where the, where the shed genesis was. I do know that Ireland has about 600 men's sheds and they they were quite late coming to the men's shed sort of fold and probably only in the last decade since they started there. Um, so as a, as a global phenomena, yeah, they're, they're def- definitely growing in number um, and very, very local based, yeah. And this is a place for men who are retired or about to retire or younger to actually meet and hang out with others. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea, was that from a action, something to do perspective or was the well-being the first driver, do you know? Well-being. Um, th- there are probably more organisations that are concentrating on female well-being than male well-being and there are a lot of guys 
as Hayes sitting around. In, in fact, we often get um, calls from the wives. Uh, can, can my husband come and have a look at your men shed? <laughs> uh, so it was built for firstly mental wellness of men who had retired without perhaps hobbies or, or contacts. Yeah, that, that's where it came from and that's it, it's still still around, yeah. And uh, why is this so important? You'd think that so many people might have, um, you know, neighbor neighbors around them, people from work life, but it's not necessarily that way, is it? No, I know when I retired, you don't want to be a nuisance back at your old job. <laughs> Turn out there for nosy all the time. So, so and, and I mean, they're mo- moving on, and so, yeah, I, I, I mean, almost uh, a few weeks after I retired, I was looking, uh, and before I retired, I, I knew I was going to be looking to see and, and join the men's shed. Mm, but you knew about it. What about someone who doesn't know about it? Where do yeah. you start? I don't know. Googling men's organisations? or mm. yeah. Mr Google seems to know a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's still uh, some sort of like shame attached to feeling lonely? And so especially if you're a man who has had a successful corporate life or business life, or are we more in tune with, with that these days, that we understand that everyone needs company? Uh, yes, um, last year I put a uh, questionnaire together for the members uh, with the idea of gathering some information of what is important and um, the, without fail the second question was what do you get out of Men's Shed and the, the um, consensus was the social interaction and the, and the work side of it was the sort of the part that that brought people together but then gave them the opportunity to uh, share friendships and and uh, and enjoy each other's company which my own situation loneliness is a terrible thing I found and uh, I was fortunate I found the shed a couple of years ago which filled a huge space in my life because um, I'd gone through a, a uh, bereavement and um, uh, needed something really because I was planning to retire and um, my world fell apart after uh, loss and um, desperately needed something to fill that void and um, uh, I think the men's shed is one of the reasons it it's sort of it's holistic I suppose insofar as you're actively doing things and that gives you the uh, the chance to to not worry about other issues that have uh, caused problems. So, yeah, it's um, it's therapy, I suppose, in some ways, but it's it's also that interaction which all of us have. I mean, I I'm reluctant to use things like uh, apps to pay for petrol. Uh, rather go in and talk to somebody, or you go to the supermarket, and I'd rather talk to somebody than scare my own things which you know we seem to be increasingly isolating ourselves with technology and um, I think the men shed whilst we've got a bit of technology there um, the uh, the interaction with other members is is a wonderful thing and I've certainly enjoyed making new friends mm. um, a whole new group of people and 
probably the thing I enjoy most is helping other people with their projects, to the best of my ability anyway, and watching people sort of take the, get that enjoyment out of making things. So yeah, it's a very, uh, very good thing. And like Phil said, it's it's worldwide in, in the UK, they have men's sheds now. So there's definitely a need for it. Um, there's undoubtedly a need for it. And that's the, why they continue to grow, I suppose. Mm. It's, uh, I talked to the uh, Embroiderers Guild, who had a wonderful exhibition here a couple of months ago. and. Uh, it was amazing to hear that that's not a dying form at all. They have so many young people who are teenagers now who join and are serious embroiderers and want to participate in competitions and other things. And I think that's really lovely that uh, all this, uh, you know, the, the craft, really well-crafted objects, they are amazing. And people don't understand that until it's almost too late. And that generation who did all the crafting, they are gone. And um, yeah, like you say, there's also that companionship and being in a communal space where everyone is doing their own thing and yet together and you can kind of wander over and see, oh, how did you do that? And someone is keen to share how they actually did it rather than, oh, no, don't look at my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of that happens in you. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Phil, you are also in the arts trail this year. Oh, Again, yeah. or yes. no, first time. For first me. time. Yes. So but I have seen your your work exhibited at um, various places. Yeah, it's popped up here and there. Um, that's something I do in my my evenings outside of uh, the shed for the most part. Um, once again, using timber, which I guess is is where my uh, I bring to the shed my enjoyment of mixing different types of timber simply because of the way they look together. But um, no, I. I do sort of shell-like sculptural thingamajigs. Mm. Don't really have a, a, a better name for them at this well, stage. Well, it's kind of taking lamination to the next level, isn't it? That's a bit different, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Nautilus shells or spirals and... Uh, yeah, mm. Definitely different people see different things. Yeah. Lizards. Spirals, or lizards. Yeah. Fossils. You know, yeah, you fossils name it. I can uh, understand, mm. yeah. Well, isn't that lovely, though, to get um, that kind of feedback? Mm. You know what you had in mind, I mm. presume, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks very precise and engineer precise, mm-hmm. and uh, then someone else comes and finds something in it that, that you didn't expect quite. That, that's art, though, isn't it? Um, it is. Someone sort of make their own mind up on, on what they see. That's yeah. the beauty of it, mm. yeah. And, and there's one of Phil's items in our exhibition here, which I think you'll be astounded at when you can see what can be done with wood. And how many members do you have in the exhibition here? Oh, there's a few collaborative pieces. Mm. Um, a fair representation of the current membership. I mean, some of the items there are things that we're making, uh, which will be available at Big Jim's nursery. Um, so they've, they've offered to sell a few things on our behalf like the pot stands and wine bottle holder things and um, chopping boards, I think. Um, so we do those as a, as a like an all of shed group activity because there's quite a lot of you know, laminating and processing of the timber to get it to that point and then a lot of sanding and you can't leave it all to one person because you know, sanding sucks. <laughs> um, and then Peter's wood turning the purple heart bowls um, is just fabulous. Uh, he's he's an expert wood turner, and then there's a few other bits and pieces there. 
Very cool. Well, come and pop in and have a look at the exhibition. It's on throughout October. And let's take a break and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Access Radio, Taranaki 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugar Loafing Arts Cast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. And we are grateful to Govet Brewster Art Gallery and Len Life Center for sponsoring this show. And I'm here today with our exhibitors in the art space, Men's Shed. And we are discussing the organization, what makes the members tick, and uh, all the wonderful companionship that Men's Shed can offer. And anyone who is keen to take a break from their normal daily grind or not knowing what to do with themselves, feel free to pop along and um, check out Men's Shed. Phil, where can they find you online? We predominantly use Facebook, so uh, New Plymouth Men's Shed on the Facebook page. Um, Try to update that reasonably regularly just to let people know what we're doing within the shed, what projects we've been working on, you know, sometimes highlight members' personal projects. Some of them are really standout pieces, which, you know, it's, it's nice to acknowledge their growing abilities. And then we do have a, we do have a website, website. Um, mm. with our basic information, how to contact us and things like that. That's also available on the, on the Facebook page. And these community projects that you have talked about, uh, so sometimes it's members who find them. Um, can organisations come to you and ask? Yes, we, we do get direct approach from organisations. Predominantly Phil examines those, what they're asking for, and sees if it's within our ability and also how it fits in with the time frame. So we're, we're getting pretty full between now and Christmas. Chocker, yeah. <laughs> we are chocker. <laughs> um, but yes, we'll, we'll be looking at, again, we like about a third community projects so yeah we'll be looking for some in the new year mm. so a couple of the ones that we've done in the last last year is um, Kiwi release boxes for the mm. um, East Taranaki the um, oh, but environmental trust isn't it environmental. yeah so that was quite a quite a cool one to work on and that was an all of shed thing we basically cleared the decks and and set up a production line for 25 of these Kiwi relocation boxes because apparently they'd had a bumper season and lots of Kiwis to move to new locations, mm. which is awesome. Yeah, went to one of the Marais for a blessing before they took off to the mountain oh. and they were very cool. Also, you help out um, Santa in the lead up to Christmas to craft all kinds of Christmas uh, things or what is it organizations are asking for since you say that you're so busy up to Christmas? 
Um, we have our own Christmas float this year, which we're busily working on. We're gonna. Um, that was suggested to us by council actually last year, and uh, obviously Centre's workshop would be the theme of our float. Oh, although I can't see you with the current health and safety regulations having all the tools up there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work something out. <laughs> although I, I don't think we'll be able to get rid of our sawdust like we were planning and using it as confetti. We, we have other ways of disposing that. So we have, um, I think what we've got on coming up, several bits and pieces. We've just finished doing our fourth year of trophies for the uh, Taranaki Players League, which is a cricket cricket match that's coming up and so we've made them handcrafted trophies for their thing. Uh, they got in touch with us after COVID because they wanted to, after the, the, that lockdown that no one likes to talk about, because they wanted to spend their money locally and support a local charity group. Fantastic. Mm. Mm. Wish more people thought that way. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and having the Taranaki Arts Trail coming up, we all hope that people will spend their money, both sure. those who visit and locally. <laughs> When is the Christmas parade? I have to check the dates. I think it's mid-December. Is it that late or is it in November? Early, it? Yeah. yeah, I think so it's early too. The end of November. Yeah. Oh. So you better get cracking. <laughs> Crack the <laughs> <laughs> And what's uh, on the cards for each of you, Dave? Project-wise? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, I principally, these days, I, I try and help out with um, the community projects and for two years now we've done the Trees for Survival job where I got nominated as the project uh, manager for uh, reasons that uh, elude me. But um, uh, we've provided uh, pre-cut metal frames from Auckland by this organisation Trees for Survival and what we do is assemble shade houses for schools so um, this year we did five schools and the previous year we did five schools, ten shade houses and uh, with a team of three or four of us we've we assembled them there. As I say pre-cut is a question of assembling them uh, and then transporting them to the schools and then the schools take over and the trees for survival provide seedlings and the children um, then bring them on to the point where they can go and plant them out in various places. So there's 10 schools now in Taranaki that have taken it on. Nationwide, it was very big in Auckland and Waikato, and a couple of years ago we were approached by Trees for Survival to undertake that project on their behalf. Fantastic. It probably, it also reinforces one of our issues is that we haven't got enough space. So we were very fortunate in the first year to have loan of another shed and then this year we were fortunate that um, one of our members, Mark Wilson from AJ Cowley, loaned us the, the or his shed up at the other end of town. And um, uh, it just reinforces that we're in the process. We, if we're going to grow the operation, we need more space. And that's another job that I've been gifted, uh, is looking for another uh, venue where we can um, expand our operation. Uh, because we're definitely constrained uh, where we are and one of our big issues is storage. Um, we mm. get gifted a lot of um, timber and, and materials and, and tools and things from people. You know, somebody passes away and what do you do with all their uh, bits and pieces and we become a receiver of all sorts of goodies. Uh, lots of timber which comes our way 
Um, Which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, it takes place, yeah. Yeah, and we do have a project, ongoing project for recycled timber, trying to avoid sending timber to um, landfill. Oh, yes. And um, uh, we can then process it and, and on sell it, hopefully. Mm, um, lovely. So people looking for recycled timber can also come to the mansion. Get in touch with us. Yeah. Oh, yep. great, yep. great. Absolutely. So mm. we've certainly um, yeah, mm. got quite a bit of timber there at the moment. We wouldn't want to give it all away no. but, uh, <laughs> or sell it. But, um, yeah, there's certainly quite a bit of stuff there that um, could be put to good use mm. by people. Fabulous. So, yeah, it's another thing that we can we can do. Mm. But, yeah, certainly we've been very fortunate with the uh, the shade houses are, are quite large. I mean, by the time we assemble them, each one three metres long and nearly two metres high and uh, about... Uh, one point, well over a metre wide, so it's a fair chunk of, of uh, steel and framing and things. Mm. No, that so sounds like you need a football field. We we <laughs> would be yeah, yeah, would be very ideal with more space. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Wayne? What's on your cards? Um, yeah, well, again, fitting in with the uh, the, the projects of of the shed, and also my personal ones. I've I've made um, boxes for my grandchildren um, for their treasures and uh, the the last two were pirate's chests with dome tops of um, multiple woods so different colours and it really popped and I was quite proud of that. Oh (laughs) yeah, as you should, as you should. (laughs) I hope they like them. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Keep them quiet for a good 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Phil? Uh, in the shed, I generally just um, do the coordinator type things. Um, school holidays, my daughter comes down and makes her own little projects. She's busily making a uh, stables for some little horses. That oh, great. Steve at Edify Industries gave her the other week. Um, he, kn- he knows that she's into horses. <laughs> But generally, I, I just sort of encourage other members with what they're working on or find something to, to tidy up. There's plenty to do in that area. And when do you find time to do your own work then, an art? Oh, my sculpture work. Um, so that generally is between 8 o'clock and midnight to 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, as soon as my daughter goes to bed, I'm out into the shed <laughs> making making noise and sawdust out there, especially in the lead-up to the to the arts trail. It's pretty, mm. it's pretty full on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, it has been lovely talking to you. We have had the men's shed, Phil, Wayne and uh, Dave in today to talk about um, what they're doing at the men's shed, their own work and the exhibition they've just set up in the art space, which is showing in the Top Town Mall at Access Radio Taranaki Art Space throughout October. So thank you so much, guys, thank and you. good luck with all the amazing work you do. Thank you very much. Um, and see you again, I hope. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugarloafing Artscast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman, and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki, or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugarloafing Facebook page and Instagram. 
To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under current shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lai Center. Until next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.